Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, welcome to Emotional Badass, where Moxie meets Mindful. I'm your host, Nikki Eisenhower, life coach and psychotherapist. And on today's episode, I'm discussing family buttons, control, and power. An old supervisor I loved used to say to me, Nikki, every single issue you see a human struggling with is a control issue. I have pondered that up, down, and sideways. And from my observations, my work, my personal work, my professional work, I do believe he was right. Understand our own relationship with control moment to moment in deeper, more nuanced ways And we do change our lives. I'm going to talk a little bit today about personality disorders. I'm going to speak very vaguely about it in general. And what I want you to know is that I think very differently about personality disorders than what's laid out in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders. Personality disorders are really the extreme patterns All human beings exhibit some behavior, some thoughts, some ideas, some moments that could fit into any personality disorder. A clinical personality disorder diagnosis means that you fit most or all of the criteria in a pervasive pattern over the course of life. So any of us, all of us can learn from understanding the extremes of personality because we can see how we might show up in little ways and smaller ways and still learn from the same wisdom that would apply to people with a full-blown personality disorder or strong traits of these disorders. So allow yourself to learn in the ways that will help you. My people out there listening With borderline personality disorder traits, if you sit somewhere on that spectrum and you have insight and willingness, you may have noticed already that control, control of yourself, control of vibes, control of your emotions, others' emotions, control of what's going on around you, control is what you're vying for constantly whether it be inside of yourself or in the people that you love or that you're surrounded by. And this control, this vying for control can feel very, very, very desperate. And the thing about 
going after this type of control, whether you consciously realize that you're trying to control or whether you don't. Many with these personality disorder traits will not have the insight to self-observe and notice these patterns. So if you're noticing these patterns in you or you're resonating in the patterns that I'm pointing out, that's a good indicator of insight. You can't change something that you can't see or can't acknowledge. So this acknowledgement is a very healthy thing and is a very important element if you were to change this dynamic. What's really sad about this is that for people who very desperately want control, when we go after this type of control, we wind up feeling and behaving more out of control, trying to get control. We wind up very reactive. And so it backfires. And that's really sad because all humans, I suspect, deep down, we want our energies, our efforts to be useful, not futile. We want our efforts towards getting our needs met to help serve us, not to get us further away from getting those needs met. My people pleasers out there. Now, we don't think of people pleasers as as having a personality disorder, but certainly the actions of a lifetime of people pleasing do get pretty disordered. This is another construct of people out there. I am a recovering people pleaser who are extremely controlling. It's just that we sort of politic with ourselves in the world That our type of control isn't the bad kind of control. It's a people-pleasing strategy, and it's for the greater good. I'm trying to be really helpful. Whereas a borderline personality will stereotypically, energetically flip tables, stomp like a giant, hurt themselves or someone else, then maybe even burn a bridge and then panic, wanting to come back over that bridge that just got burnt down. So much anger and reactive chaos internally that can look very quiet to the outside observer or it can look very loud and look very out of control on the outside where an observer can witness that out of control spiral. The people pleaser quietly, more subtly tries to control for the same Reasons that the borderline personality does, trying to have everything be just right, try to have it nice, try to have it in a way that can feel safe and organized and fit the perfectionistic vision that rolls through my mind. We see all of these behaviors in the most positive of light, when if we look a little bit more deeply and we get really honest with ourselves and get honest about what people-pleasing really is, very often the people-pleaser is maybe smothering, overbearing, or often demands to help or forces help in their own controlling way, which is a controlling of situations, a controlling of moods, a controlling of events and dynamics, vibes and feelings, of another person or an entire room or an entire event. Now, we all, every human being, we all want and need a certain amount of healthy control internally, externally. What's really sad to me is that no one tends to pop up in our lives in any classroom experience 
teaching us lessons on understanding our own relationship with control. When does that relationship with control help me? When do I have every right to try to control things? When does it backfire? When does it bite me in the booty? When does it trip me up? What is that boundary between controlling myself versus trying to control somebody else? How much right do I have to even want or allow the desire to want to have control? When is that healthy? When is that unhealthy? When is it too much? When is it too little? I want to read to you from an old reading. It's not from this month or recently in one of my favorite books. If you participate in the Patreon, you've heard me read from this book almost every single live stream Q&A. This is a fantastic book that any seeker, any childhood trauma survivor, anyone who has been diagnosed or suspects that they might lean into some of those unfavorable or unhelpful characteristics, traits, dynamics from any of the personality disorders will very much benefit from Melody Beatty's work. The book I'm going to read from is The Language of Letting Go Journal by Melody Beatty. I'm going to read from July 15th's reading called Family Buttons. This is a book that is a 365 book. It has a reading for every day. It's probably the book in my book arsenal that I have, honest to God, spent the most time with my hands on. I touch it multiple times a week, sometimes every day. And in times of struggle in my life, since meeting this book, times of transition, times of heartache, times of grief, I take this book out and I start my day with it. I might meet this book midday and I end my day with it. Because we need so many lessons in letting go for this life that invites us to hold on and try to control so much. Here is the reading. July 15th, Family Buttons. The first time I spoke up to my mother and refused to buy into her games and manipulation, I was terribly frightened. I found I didn't have to be mean. I didn't have to start an argument. But I could say what I wanted and needed to say to take care of myself. I learned I could love and honor myself and still care about my mother the way I wanted to, not the way she wanted me to. This is a quote from someone anonymous. Melody Beatty says, Who knows better how to push our buttons than family members? Who, besides family members, do we give such power? No matter how long we or our family members have been recovering, relationships with family members can be provocative. The process of detaching in love from family members can take years. So can the process of learning how to react in a more effective way. We cannot control what they do or try to do, but we can gain some sense of control over how we choose to react. Stop trying to make them act or treat us any differently. Their patterns, particularly their patterns with us, are their issues. How we react or allow these patterns to influence us is our issue. How we take care of ourselves is our issue. We can love our family, but refuse their efforts to manipulate, control, 
or produce guilt in us. We can learn to be assertive with family members without being aggressive. We can set the boundaries we need and want to set with family members without being disloyal to the family. We can learn to love our family without forfeiting love and respect for ourselves. Today, help me start practicing self-care with family members. I do not have to allow their issues to control me. It's okay to have all my feelings about family members without guilt or shame. Do you know what your own buttons are? That can be a very powerful question for you to ponder, sit with, and discover, and get to know about yourself. Are you really going to walk this earth expecting your buttons not to get pressed by the 8 billion other people on this planet that you don't know? Do you really expect your family to just stop pressing those buttons of their own volition just all of a sudden one day? To just sit back and hope for these options, this is powerless because these are powerless options. And over time, when we choose powerless option and powerless option and powerless option, this is what becomes victim mentality. So if those are powerless options, here is a powerful option. You can disable any button you identify in yourself. Notice the difference in how a powerful message to ourselves feels versus a powerless message to ourselves feels. You can disable any button that you identify in yourself. Then... The masses, all the billions of people out there, or your family, can walk up to you and push those buttons as much as they want. And nada, nothing, zip, zero, zilch, will happen. You have the power to disable your buttons and make those buttons neutral, deactivate them. Have you ever pushed a horn in a car? that's lost its honkability. I've driven beaters most of my life. I've actually had this happen in two different vehicles where all of a sudden I went to push the horn and the horn just wouldn't honk. No amount of pushing on the horn works. And right in that moment of why isn't this button working? I'm supposed to push this button and a honk's supposed to come out. I didn't stop pushing it. I pushed, push, 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 pushed. Until I accepted, this horn doesn't work. This button no longer does anything for me. Then, and only then, did I never push that horn button again. What would happen to your emotional life? Your exhaustion, your stress levels, your annoyance, your aggravation, your anger levels, your peace of mind, if you disabled your own buttons? Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask them all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? Well, we hear you, and we have been there too. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. Who are we? I'm Dr. Jess Steyer, a public health scientist and also co-host of the Unbiased Science Podcast. 
Every day, I'll chat with one or both of your new pediatrician besties, Dr. Dina DiMaggio, a general pediatrician, and Dr. Anthony Porto, a pediatric gastroenterologist. We'll talk about all the things related to our kids' health, from dealing with a colicky infant to navigating puberty in the teenage years. So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, now live on all podcast platforms. Now, a lot of sensitive people will tell me, Nikki, I am excellent at quitting, at being fully done with someone or something. And this is a common dynamic in our HSP tribe because we tend to endure without setting boundaries. And we endure and endure and endure and endure until we are so fed up that we are so far beyond done. It's why so many of us identify anger, frustration, fed upness as the very things that start our boundaries work. Because before we're fed up, it's like we won't even give ourselves permission. Believe it or not, that's part of what I teach when I'm teaching boundaries. That part of taking care of ourselves is recognizing this. And realizing that we get to have a different, a new commitment to ourselves, that we will set boundaries so far before we're so fed up that we have to have this black and white, all or nothing, absolute, total doneness with no more space to try to make anything work because we've just worn ourselves out. So no wonder it's easier for lots of sensitive people to just go, you know what, I'm done, I'm out. When we do this, this all or nothing black and white thinking, it allows us to hide from the vulnerability and courage it takes to speak up and to speak up imperfectly because we can't do it perfectly, to create, set, and hold reasonable boundaries for ourselves and between ourselves and other people. It really is a powerless option to cross our fingers and hope that other people don't step on us like a doormat. I can't endorse the crossing fingers and hoping method as a strategy for life because that's a sucky way to move through the world. It's not honoring of self-respect or self-worth and how you deserve to learn how to show up for you in this one precious life. So what's a powerful option? We have the opportunity. Every moment, every day, again and again, to meet ourselves in willingness to learn to speak up for ourselves. To no longer allow ourselves to lay down like a doormat and allow people to step on us. Now, I don't think all 8 billion people, your family included, are just going to get together and agree not to step on you. Especially if that's what they've been doing for a very long time, they're likely to continue to do so. So if you're angry in your life that you have felt doormatted, stepped on, used, that your relationships are less than reciprocal, that you consistently feel like you give more than you get, what are you waiting for? You can be powerless or powerful in this or any dynamic where you have struggle. So when you, me, anybody, 
When you continue to complain instead of choosing a powerful option for yourself, controlling your own self and letting go of trying to control another, you are paving a road that leads to the victimhood. And the reason I advocate for nobody living in the victimhood, because you could, you could totally choose that. I don't live in the victimhood. I like where I live. But a lot of people don't realize when they buy into the victimhood because it gets a lot of attention points right now in the way our world works. But when you really start to live in that victimhood, it's a dark, lonely, whiny, low vibe, complacent, depressing place where the real estate values and self-worth plummet. They don't grow there. Here's how this kind of complaining often sounds. Yeah, Nikki, I hear what you're saying. I mean, I get it, right? I can only control me. All right, I get it. But this person in my life really should act better. And by better, what I really mean is the way that I want. That's how I want them to act. What I want is the way that I see right coming out of their behavior, coming out of their talk, coming out of how they relate to me. And I want this on my timetable. I don't have patience. And I'm right about this because their behavior is so bad and awful, objectively. This is how we try to justify controlling for the greater good, that we have the right to control. And if this is working for you, then disregard me. But in my life and in my experience working with people, this does not forge vulnerability, bonds that have intimacy, often in relationship, romantic relationship. This creates a dynamic of one person being the parent and the other person being the child. That is not the dynamic we want for a healthy, strong marriage or relationship. So when we reflect on ourselves, we can sit and ask ourselves, maybe journal, maybe talk about it in a therapy or a coaching appointment. Have I been controlling for the greater good? And has that been working for me? Is there a better way? Am I willing to lean into learning some other ways, which also challenges me to let go of the control of doing it my own way, of just having my own thinking brought to this dilemma. It is such a power move when we embrace that all we can truly change is ourselves. And here is what I think of as a secret of life. This is, this is the magic, y'all. When we act and show up differently for ourselves in our own lives, that's really the only way that we change other people. Now, what do I mean by that? When you act and show up differently for yourself, that's the only real way that you force just by being who you are, not strong arming, just by showing up differently. You actually force other people to respond differently to you because you showed up differently. This might be one of the two main ways that we can actually change another person by changing ourselves which changes their response. So what's the second way? The second way is by inspiration. We change something about ourselves. Use yourself as an example. When somebody inspires change, 
shame doesn't make us want to change. Or if it does, it doesn't help it stick. It's just for the moment, the shame is there. I don't change because somebody tries to control me. If anything, that's the very thing the human being in me wants to dig her heels in and go, oh, now I don't want to change at all. We can learn to deal with that aspect of our human condition. I don't think anybody feels inspired to change by someone attempting to control them. So you get to change people in your world when you pull your control to yourself and then when you inspire. If there's a way to change other people that I am missing, come join our healing community on Patreon to discuss this episode, these concepts, any aha moments or inner adolescent eye rolls that you might feel. I'm a big believer that we learn and grow together when we share our humanness, our stories, our own hard-earned wisdom. Our next live stream at patreon.com backslash emotional badass is on your relationship with expectation. And expectations are an offshoot of control. We are operating on so many expectations. If we've never examined expectations, this can be a beautifully shocking, eye-opening experience and lens to learn about. Because we can expect so much. And when we don't get our expectation, we are then disappointed. We're pouty. We're angry. We feel hurt. Our inner child can get triggered. And instead of just wanting the control of wanting what we want, wanting what we expect, we get to learn how to adjust our expectations so that we're not creating these accidental, funky moods like holes we can trip into when our expectations go unmet. So if you want to learn more about expectations, how to examine them, how to look for them, what they sound like, what they feel like, what they look like, I cannot wait to get into it with you. Come join patreon.com slash emotional badass to submit a question, to participate live, or to listen to all the archived live stream Q&As from months and years past. We have so many on so many deep, nuanced topics where Patreon members have so generously, vulnerably, and honestly asked the deepest questions I think you can find out there on the internet, y'all. We are so proud to be a part of Airwave Media. Go check out their other shows to get curious and grow and expand at airwavemedia.com. And as always, we thank you for sharing any episode that you think will resonate with anyone that you know. We have been spread by word of mouth since the beginning, and we appreciate you sharing our work. I am an emotional badass. You are an emotional badass. And together, we are where Moxie meets mindful. Light and love. I'll see you on the Patreon, or I'll see you right here next time for a brand new episode. Bye-bye, y'all.
you find it hard to sleep at night, then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long.